This podcast is brought to you by Ave Maria Press. Keep listening at the end of the episode for more information on its popular and important news series, Ave Explores, everyday faith for everyday people. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with American Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. We'll start this week with the high-profile resignation of Cardinal Angelo Becciu, who used to be the number two man in the Vatican. Then, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is visiting the Vatican this week. He'll be trying to stop the Vatican from renewing its provisional deal with China. I'm Colleen Dully. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny Rome, Colleen. The sunshine has come back and we've got a very busy week ahead of us. That's right. We've got the encyclical coming out this week and we're following a bunch of other news stories. So let's start with the first one. Uh, We had a really high profile resignation in the Vatican last week. Cardinal Angelo Becciu resigned suddenly on Thursday night, September 24th, from his position as head of the Vatican's Congregation for the Causes of Saints. Uh, We remember he used to be the sostituto, basically the number two in the Vatican in the Secretary of State. Now, in a one-sentence press release that was released late at night, the Vatican announced that the cardinal had also given up the rights connected to the cardinalate, which people have taken to mean that he is not going to participate in any conclave should one happen, but he does retain the title of cardinal. So, Jerry, just for our listeners, I want to situate us in kind of how unusual all of this is. We had this press release that came out really late at night. Cardinal Betchu held what seemed like a pretty quickly thrown together press conference the next morning. Um, what do we know about what's happened here? This is the third cardinal whom Francis has taken away the rights of cardinal from. This is very unusual. Normally, the Pope chooses very carefully the peoples he makes cardinals. But sometimes it doesn't work out. It's been history in the past, and uh, it's the case today. And nobody really saw this coming, right? Well, many people, including myself, who were following the scandal over the London properties, that's the properties that the Vatican bought, and it turned out to be a very complicated buying. He really was the one who had control over what was happening. He was the one who took the decisions, although he always said other people approved it. But in effect, at that level, you're the one who takes the decisions. And we realized that something was going badly wrong and that someday he he would really have to answer questions possibly before the judges. Yeah, you and I spoke about him in connection with the London finance scandal. And as far as we know, that's still under investigation. But Betchu in his press conference actually said that the London finance scandal wasn't even brought up in his meeting with Francis where he was asked to resign. Uh, instead, he said that it was he was accused of embezzlement and nepotism uh, that had to do with, in part, a project that his brother ran. So can you walk us through what uh, what Betchu said that he was fired for, essentially? Yeah. Cardinal Becciu is 72 years old. He comes from the island of Sardinia. They're known as very hard workers, very devoted Catholics. He has three brothers. One of them had a cooperative which worked with the Caritas, like uh, Catholic charities. And this cooperative uh, provided work for about 60 families, helped migrants, etc. Well, the cardinal, it seems, well, it's not seems, it's a fact. Not alone did he transfer roughly $100,000, a little more, to the Caritas 
for the Brothers Project, but he also got the Italian Bishops' Conference to transfer in two separate years more than $300,000 each year to the Brothers Project. Now we know that he also transferred another $27,000, around $30,000, also for this project. So you're talking about $750,000, So it's 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 not peanuts. Now, Betchu thinks that there was nothing wrong with this, right? He he maintains that he was innocent, and it seems like he didn't really see anything wrong with giving this money to this cooperative because, in his mind, it was all for charity. Well, after I published my story on this, I, I received a, a note from a former ambassador and said, how is it possible that the cardinal doesn't see that here you have what in the Anglo-Saxon world we would call a conflict of interests? because it was his brother was running this. And then he's got two other brothers. One of them is a carpenter. And when, as archbishop, he was nuncio, that's the Vatican's ambassador, in Angola, and later in Havana in Cuba, he had the brother do work for the refurbishing of the Vatican embassies in both countries. Right. And the cardinal says he couldn't find anybody in, in, in Angola to do this work, and he couldn't find anybody in Cuba. Well, this kind of stretched the imagination of some people. <laughs> right. It's not like there are no, no carpenters in Angola or Cuba. You know, Betchu was kind of, he, he represents this old way of thinking uh, in Italian culture, right? Which says, well, of course I would give these contracts to my brothers, or of course I would give this money to my brothers. But as we saw with Francis's contract reform uh, a few months ago, you know, Francis is not willing to operate that way. And as you mentioned, this is illegal in Italy. Betchu was very close confidence, one of the people the Pope really trusted in the Vatican. Uh, he traveled with him in all his trips. He would see the Pope every day. He, he, he really was seen as really the heavyweight in the top echelons of power in the Vatican. Right. And, you know, if you watch that conference that Betchu gave, uh, he seemed really crushed by the fact that Francis had said that he can no longer trust him. Yes, this is obviously a big blow because while stories had come out in the press suggesting that maybe there was a, he had some problems in terms of how the, the deals were done in London and elsewhere, he, he always rejected them and said, no, no, I always followed orders. They, they were approved from above. He never took responsibility himself so much for this. This, when he went into the Pope in a 20-minute audience, he said, I went in at 6.02. I was a friend of the Pope, a faithful executor of the Pope's wishes. And then he said, the Pope said to me, I don't think I can trust you anymore. Uh, it's, it's pretty devastating. And obviously, you know, you, it's a fall from grace. And now the question is, why did the Pope do that? Some people said, well, you know, we're only talking about $100,000. Uh, now it looks like we're talking about $750,000. But uh, he said to the Pope, I want to be able to defend myself. And the Pope said, good. And so by removing him from the rights and the prerogatives of cardinals, he no longer has immunity. He's able to stand in court without representing the institution because now he's a cardinal without responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And that becomes an issue because the London finance scandal is still being investigated. Is there a chance he goes to trial for that? Well, it's, it's, it's possible. 
And the Italian media, who seem to always have inside stories on some of these things, are saying that he could be interrogated by the Italian prosecutors as well, because they're looking at the question of what you call nepotism, what they call here favoring family as a crime. Uh, the crime of embezzlement, uh, is it's a crime in Italy. What is very clear is that we are going to have court cases, that sooner or later he will be questioned by the magistrates. Uh, he has not been questioned yet, and he made this very clear in the press conference. Uh, and then we will have to see what happens. As the Pope says, you know, everybody is entitled to the presumption of innocence until proved guilty. And I think this is absolutely true in his case. Yeah, I, I do wonder, you know, there's this presumption of innocence on the one hand, but on the other hand, I mean, this seems like Francis is already punishing him. And so I have a hard time reconciling those. Like, it seems like the action has already been taken against him. Well, let's put it this way. The Pope, who is not a man given to rapid judgments on people. Mm -hmm. And so he obviously came to the conclusion that that he, he was very convinced that there was something very serious here. It may be small, but it was very serious. And what we don't know, Colleen, and we'll have to wait and see, what else the magistrates told the Pope. Got it. Yeah, and I, I feel like our takeaway here is kind of that you know, Francis, in removing these now three cardinals' rights, uh, three cardinals' privileges related to the cardinalate, uh, that he's he's not willing to see anyone as protected, um, which which seems significant. Yes, that that really is the big takeaway. In the past, if you had this kind of problem in previous pontificates, and there are many instances, it was dealt with quietly, silently. Nobody knew what happened. Here, Francis is committed to transparency, and that there are no protected species. However high up you are, he's told the magistrates, you go where the evidence takes you. Nobody can now feel above the law in the pontificate of Francis. All right. So obviously there is a lot more to come out about this story still, and we will keep our listeners up to date here on Inside the Vatican. And you can also read our uh, up-to-date news stories at americamagazine.org. controversial internment camps. More than a million Uyghurs and others belonging to various Muslim minority groups are believed to be detained in the Xinjiang region. I humbly ask the Holy See to join us. This was Mike Pompeo a year ago at the Vatican. We ask the representatives of all nations present here today to join us. What could be more powerful than our voices all together calling for the freedom? To worship God. The Secretary of State will be back at the Vatican in a few days and will most likely bring with him the same message. For our second story, the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is visiting the Vatican this week. He will not meet with the Pope, but he will meet with Cardinal Perilin, who is the Secretary of State in the Vatican, and Archbishop Paul Gallagher, who is the Vatican's Foreign Minister or the Secretary for Relations with States in, in Vatican language. Now, Pompeo has been pretty outspoken about uh, trying to convince the Vatican that he doesn't think they should renew the provisional agreement with China. This is the Vatican-China deal that we've talked about a few times. Uh, and in fact, he published an opinion piece in the conservative religious journal First Things, uh, critiquing the Vatican-China deal and saying they shouldn't renew it or else the Vatican risks losing its moral authority. So Jerry, I, I want to talk to you about this, uh, you know, first about this opinion piece that Pompeo published in First Things. Um, how was that taken in the Vatican in advance of this visit? Well, it raised a lot of eyebrows. Uh, 
people were a little astounded that here is the U.S. Secretary of State coming to visit Italy, and he wants to try to convince the Vatican against re-extending the provisional agreement with China. Right. This was the deal in which the Vatican agreed to recognize these eight bishops who had been ordained without Vatican approval in China, um, and it gave the Vatican a say in who becomes a bishop in China in the future. But we should say in the in the couple of years since that deal, a lot of those open bishop seats in China haven't been filled. And actually, China has cracked down even harder in, in the last couple of years on religious minorities like the Uyghur Muslims, but also on Catholics. Francis is well aware there are priests in China who are persecuted. But the Vatican has been dealing with the persecution in the church since the communists came to power in 1949. They haven't just discovered problems today. And many of the Vatican people say the provisional agreement that the Vatican signed in September 2018, and which will now be renewed before the 22nd of October, that that provisional agreement is provisional. We will see its usefulness, whether it's functioning. And if it doesn't function, they can pull back. But it's opened the door slightly for a proper dialogue with now the emerging major power in the world. Right. The Vatican and China are supposed to be in conversation this month, or at least soon, uh, about renewing that deal. And Pompeo's view is that the Vatican shouldn't renew it because of China's human rights abuses. Yes, the, the deal is a strictly religious deal, the Vatican has pointed out, uh, also in an in editorial today in, in the Vatican Daily, L'Osservatore Romano. Uh, and it is not a political deal from the Vatican's perspective. Pompeo is saying that, well, there is the question of the persecution of the Christians in China. There's the question of the Uyghurs. There's the question of Tibet. There's uh, he, he lists the whole thing. And he says that the Vatican should be speaking out. There's the question of Hong Kong. Uh, the Vatican is not saying anything. Now, I've spoken to some people in the Vatican in relation to what Pompeo wrote in First Things. And the comment I've got back was, he seems to forget that up to Christmas of this year, America was pushing very hard to get better trade deals and relations with, with China. But suddenly, with the COVID, the pandemic, they've suddenly gone the other way. And now they want to build an alliance against China, almost creating a Cold War. Uh, and they said, uh, you know, we have been working for 30 years to reach a situation where we be can begin to dialogue and talk with China. Mm -hmm. And now we're at this point, and he wants us to jettison this. They also didn't like the fact that he, he had asked to come and have a dialogue in the Vatican, but in a very strange way, he comes, you know, he starts shooting from the hip before he arrives. So to make it clear, is this opinion piece the reason that Pompeo isn't meeting the Pope? No, he wouldn't be meeting the Pope in any case not so close to the election, nor the tweets, because he did the opinion piece, but also he sent a tweet which was even uh, more uh, aggressive in a way, saying more or less saying the Vatican rule, you know, is going to throw its moral authority in the dustbin by keeping silent by doing this agreement. Uh, so you, you have a situation here, so a certain tension, but it's he who has caused the tension. 
Now, Jerry, I want to point out for our listeners that you have done an extremely thorough report on how the Vatican views the Vatican-China deal. Uh, and so that's why we're not getting into too, too much detail. Uh, but in a couple weeks, we will have a big deep dive episode explaining the Vatican-China deal, explaining the Vatican's perspective on that. So uh, no matter what happens with the Mike Pompeo meeting this week, we will have updates on on that. All right, Jerry, it was good to talk to you this week. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Colleen. Always good to chat with you. And I'm glad that our listeners, I see from some of the comments that they're quite happy with listening to us. So we look forward to next week. I think it'll be a big show because we have the encyclical comes out on Sunday. And uh, we will devote, I think, our next week's session to that. That's right. We've got the encyclical coming out uh, and we will have an update almost as soon as it comes out. And then Jerry and I will be back with a full analysis of the document next week and our usual slot on Wednesday. So uh, thanks so much, Jerry, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much, Colleen. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. Production assistance this week from Robert Balliser at the Jesuit Curia in Rome and Erica Rasmussen, an O'Hare Fellow at America Media. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also email us your comments and questions. We love hearing from you at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time. Want to hear more about life from a Catholic perspective? Ave Spotlight is a new weekly podcast where you'll hear from special guests about culture, current events, and all things Catholic. Walk away with a better understanding of your faith and how to live it in the world today. Check it out at AveMariaPress.com and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.